Welcome to the Public Health Reform Podcast, a place for people to discuss tackling public health challenges, reducing inequalities, and creating a Scotland where everybody thrives. You're listening to the latest Public Health Reform Podcast with Campbell Hart. In this edition, we're looking at the role of place in redefining an area trying to shake off a stubborn reputation. Because when people talk about the East End of Glasgow, it's usually stereotypes like poverty, poor health and high unemployment that spring to mind. But away from the noise of headlines and misconceptions, a 20-year programme is trying to change all that. Currently halfway through, Clyde Gateway has a vision to leave a lasting legacy. I caught up with Ian Manson, Chief Executive at Clyde Gateway, and asked him to tell me more about his long-term ambition. Well, it's to transform the Clyde Gateway area from an area of deprivation and disinvestment into one where people want to live and work, bring their businesses here, bring jobs, um, new housing, better environment, etc. And we're keen on top of that to work on the long-term health problems that have been a big issue in the area. So Clyde Gateway is changing rapidly and it's a great place to work on some of the more difficult issues in Scotland, uh, including health. When people think of regeneration, they might think of new buildings going yeah. up. You've certainly got plenty of them yes. in this area, but it's more than that. It has to be everything. It has to be new buildings, it has to be new parks, new green spaces, new community centres. These things are well underway. But on top of that, you have to work with the concerns of local people. Number one priority in this area is, is jobs. So we've linked jobs to health. So we've created jobs in the health service for local people, for example. So you can work to local people's priorities and you can address health issues at the same time. But for me, regeneration is about better opportunities for people. There's no point in doing new buildings if you're not making new life opportunities for local people. So proper regeneration is long-term, it's comprehensive, and it deals with some of the most challenging issues in an area like this. And Clyde Gateway's doing that. You mentioned that sort of community aspect yes. of this whole project. To date, do you feel that people are, are properly engaged in, in what you're trying to achieve? Is it something that's been done to them? No, we're working to their agenda. Uh, the agenda was new housing, sort out the environment and get jobs for local people. So we're working to their agenda. We have huge endorsement from local people and that's regularly reported, particularly to visitors, including the Cabinet Secretary recently, heard from local people directly that we're working to their priorities. But people don't always talk about ill health in a way that's, uh, that's, that's helpful. Uh, people talk about the health service, they talk about operations, etc. But the long-term work required to improve health is something that's more challenging to discuss with local people. But people see that, they see the opportunities for jobs and housing as a way to better health. Um, and what we're doing is, for the first time, having a real conversation with local people about health and doing projects that involve them. So a cancer screening project, for example, is led by local people. It's not our design of how to get uh, local people coming forward for cancer screening and addressing the appalling rates that we have at the moment. It's local people who have designed the response, and therefore it's other local people who are responding positively to that because it's a a message that they understand and, and accept. So things here are being done quite differently. It's local people's agenda and where they can lead on the projects, and that's exactly what's happening. When you talk about getting people involved and sort of creating opportunities for careers, uh, at the start, do you think there was a a degree of of scepticism that this might not be happening? Total scepticism. 
because people had um, tried to do regeneration in this area before the GEAR project in the 80s. And actually that was to our advantage. Um, as one local resident said to me, he said that after the GEAR project, we agreed as a community that next time we'd be ready for them. So that was the community saying that when people came back and promised the world in terms of regeneration, the community already had its agenda. So in a sense it was easy for us because we were able to run with that agenda. And after 10 years, and that's almost unknown for regeneration projects to, to go on for this long, and with 10 years to go, we are very confident that we're working to local people's agenda. But I certainly personally won't be happy with what's happened here if we don't make real inroads into health inequalities. And we want all the agencies to work with us. We have Population Health Joint Working this now, which has got many of Scotland's major agencies and health services working with us. But we want to expand and consolidate that over the next 10 years and set ourselves some really challenging outcomes that we want to achieve with local people and improve health. You've been here for a long time, you see, you've obviously got another uh, 10 years uh, to go. Mm -hmm. Do you get a sense of your progress to date? We have key performance indicators, so we know how many houses have been built, we know how much business space has been created, we know how many local people have had additional opportunities because of our investment. But we really want to tackle the big figures. If you are born in, in this area currently, you are likely to die 14 years ahead of the national average. So we simply want to set outcomes that improve that situation. We believe it's incumbent upon everybody to, to join us and, and make a real effort on that, tackling some of the really challenging issues in Scottish society. And where better to do it in here? And also where better to do it than where there's a cohesive place? So we believe that working on place positively, emphasising the good things that are happening, will have a major impact. Uh, just on a, a final point, you mentioned the, sort of the, the initial scepticism mm -hmm. and the progress that yes. you have been making over the last 10 years. Do you feel that you've now built up uh, a momentum that's going to take you through the next 10 years or do you still face major challenges? We face major challenges because many of the pressures uh, that created the difficulties in areas like this are, are still there. There's, there's public uh, funding constraints, there's a, a reluctance sometimes to invest in areas like this and there's issues like stigma and, and public opinion. So these things are still there. So every project we do is additional. It wouldn't have happened without us. So our model is to firstly to, to help people here to get things changing in this area. But secondly, to provide pathfinders new ways of doing things that can be applied to similar areas across Scotland. As we've heard, this is a connected multi-agency response. The Deep End Money Advice Project, for example, refers people on low incomes to specialist help in GP practices a move which has unlocked £1.5 million in unclaimed benefits in Parkhead alone. Dr Gillian Dames is based at Parkhead Health Centre. There was an initial pilot done and it was two GP practices within the health centre and we were delighted and lucky enough to be given the services of an embedded financial support worker. He wasn't co-located with us, he was embedded within the practice team and he would come one day a week and it would be half between us and the practice down the corridor. We would um, recognise patients within consultations or a receptionist could recognise patients with financial problems. I think what was a huge thing for us was that with patients coming to us, probably living with maybe 15 years more ill health than other populations, so there was massive multimorbidity, massive suffering, but when they came to us it became very apparent that the thing that was important to them at that point was their financial situation. Are people worried about talking about money to, to somebody that they might not necessarily, people get a bit cagey if they're asked about money? I think as well people don't often know what's out there. A lot of the financial gains 
were things that patients were entitled to. They weren't claiming for things that they weren't entitled to. The money was there, the money was budgeted. There was also a lot of debt work done. There's a lot of mental distress, there's addiction, worried about the child poverty that their families are sitting in. And then maybe mentally they need that, that bit of support, that bit of trust to be able to access a service. And, and has it worked and what's your success rate been like? I was quite shocked when I heard about what the household incomes were. Just about 50% of them were under 10,000 a year and the average financial gain for each household was 7,000. That's a huge difference to the, the household income. I think as well when you're talking about the cost, for every pound that's spent on the service, there's a £25 return. These stats speak for themselves. I mean, I guess that's getting really into wider inequalities. That, I mean, if you've got money to buy food or pay for gas, it's kind of life-changing, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's almost like Maslow's Triangle. I think if someone's really desperate, they've no money, their kids have money, they, you know, they can't clothe their kids properly, there's addictions issues in the house, a whole lot of mental suffering, Unless you deal with the financial side, if they're not getting money coming in, they're not getting benefits, it's almost a barrier to them accessing all these great services that are being generated in the area. When you're making that big a difference to somebody's lives, I guess that it helps more people come through the doors. It's a no-brainer. It's a system that works. It's collaborative working. It's engaging in communities. It's dealing with mental health, child poverty letting people engage in the place that they're living in. And I think it should. I think there is a real, real desire for it to be rolled out across Glasgow. I think as well from a doctor's point of view, once I'm saying that patient's coming into me and they've got, I can see that there's a lot of chronic disease, I can see there's a lot of acute disease that they're not dealing with either, and mental health suffering, it lets me get on with working on these on these issues as well and improving health and health inequalities because if people aren't engaging and aren't coming in through the door and whether they come through the door because of their pit form or their money it doesn't matter to me it's what is bothering them at the time and then you're, it's allowing me to get a doctor-patient relationship going that I can then deal with the health problems which again are really impacting on inequality in our society. Away from the underlying causes of poverty, the Gateway to Engineering programme's taking a long view. A partnership between big business, further education and universities, it's already helped inspire more than 100 young people to unlock career opportunities. Natalie Phillips from Clyde Gateway has the background. Clyde Gateway are involved in lots of local infrastructure projects and for a long time these opportunities that have happened in the local community, young people going to school have walked by and seen and observed these opportunities happening and never been able to be part of them. A big part of my job in rolling Clyde Gateway is about making sure that local people can get access to these opportunities. If, if there's local infrastructure regeneration programmes happening, how do we get the young people getting access to the educational elements but also getting access to the industry partners that are bringing a variety of jobs to the local community and making sure that it's our young people that get access to them. I guess when folk think about regeneration projects, they think about roads or buildings going up and that's obviously exactly what you're talking about but it's actually to make the most of that opportunity and, and get the community actually benefiting from it. It's not just folk coming in, doing the work and then leaving again. Yeah, I would say a big part of the job is about the legacy and it's about creating a long-lasting legacy for young people, um, particularly in the sense that 
with this programme, it's about giving young people access to all pathways into the engineering sector. We know that if we were um, to leave young people themselves to negotiate and navigate, how would they get a taster at university? How would they get a taster at college? How would they get tasters with different industry partners? How would they get a recognised industry qualification, such as a pre-foundation apprenticeship qualification by themselves? That would be a struggle. And this is about local partners coming together from higher education education, further education and industry and regeneration to create this opportunity to make sure that young people can see every single pathway locally how they could become an engineer in these variety of different disciplines and it's really making a difference to their life skill, to their educational attainment, their skills for life learning and work so it's been great. Different people of different ages will have a, a different idea of what work experience is but it does seem that this is quite a comprehensive programme. Yes. In terms of the work experience element, it's not the standardised five days over a one week period these young people are getting access to a recognised industry partner over a three month window. They go into that workplace so they are building the skills for life learning and work over a long period of time and it's about teamwork, it's about communication skills. I, I really feel that by doing this local personal approach it means that at the end of the process the young people will have a better opportunity and a better chance of securing that job. I think as well from my side, being a local East End person, going to some of these local schools myself, it's great to see young people getting that opportunity. One of those to benefits Ty O'Neill, a pupil at St Mungo's Academy. He's hoping the programme will help to kick-start his career. In assembly at school, we heard about the engineering opportunity for different types of engineering and I quite liked the electrical so I just applied for it. Is it something you've thought about but not been sure how to get involved with before? I, I'd never really thought about electrical engineering, it was just like electrician but when I heard about the engineering and the experience of working, like just the experience of working and being at college I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd try it. So what have you done so far? I've been at college, like same way we've been at uni and that, and on site. Is just that the first time you've kind of done all that kind of stuff? Aye. How, how have you found it? It's different, it's like work, it's really like work in it. What it's going to be like in a few years time. Uh, I just think it's, it's good to have an opportunity to get a qualification in that whilst, whilst being in school and that. I think it's good. And it's a pathway open to all. Casey Kennedy from Eastbank Academy is optimistic about her future. Well, my ultimate goal is to try to get into robotics. That's electrical, mechanical, I think physics. Hoping to get all of that together and go up into robotics, build main things. And I think as part of the first sort of stage of this whole uh, programme, you, you get to go to college and university and sort of get to see what that's Aye. like. I mean, what was that like? Was it a bit of an eye-opener? Aye, it was quite an eye-opener because the wee colleges I'm seeing, it's small places, but when you're getting to the big ones, it's like, wow, building's this big, especially the university, that, oof, that, so many buildings. <laughs> Mechanical works amazing. Like, they've built two cars in there, two different cars. One's a racing one, one's electrical. And it was, wow, I like people would do something like that. And a final point, I guess, not everybody's going to get these opportunities. Do you think that this programme's been good for you? Yes, definitely. This is just, it's adding to the path. Because finding work placements and jobs, 
I don't think that's easy because I've heard people talking about it and I've heard relatives talk about it too, how hard it is and I'm like, thank God I've got this. And while financial security and careers are both linked, the risk of long-term health conditions are also being addressed. The Healthy and Happy Screening Project enlists local people to encourage women to do their bit to fight cancer. Lizzie MacDonald from Rutherglen told me that it's an approach she's proud to support. Just because I'm a local person, I have a great relationship with community members. My kind of role was to try and raise as much awareness, give that information out there, kind of breaking the, like the myths that surround cancer screening, going around people's doors, giving them the information leaflet with all the right information. So it was like websites, phone numbers, information and having conversation, just having a conversation with local people. And do you think the fact that you were maybe a well-kent face in these parts helped? It helped so much, I think, because it's like this kind of thing where people come and chap on people's doors. You always think they're going to sell you something. All, you always think they're, they're after money, or and that's been some of the stuff that's been kind of came for this. So because they have known me, we've had the conversation, and I've not had the door shut in my face. Has it been working? Have you been getting folk to go? I'm so proud of the work that's been done and it was something like I personally I've experienced, you know, I've had to scare myself and needing that support, it would have just made my like the stress level so much easier. Having that support for me being able to support somebody through that whole process is such an amazing feeling. Knowing that, you know, I'm giving that information to somebody and they're going to sleep a wee bit easier at night just knowing that they're supported. But I do believe that people are taking the information, whether they don't come through the out-hours appointments that we offer, they're going to their GPs, they're passing information on to people in their works, their colleagues, you know, their family, their friends, who maybe I'm not engaging with, so they're actually passing the important information it's on. It's not something that you just do for six months and it goes away. This is going to be, this is totally sparked, you know, a, a passion in me where now we kind of realise there's bigger issues and why people don't go and it's about us signposting people to the proper channels. We have people who have got real bad anxiety so instead of them saying like they can't go to their appointments I'm then signposting these people onto the proper channels that they could go to speak to somebody about your anxiety, get that dealt with and then when you're, in, when you're ready we'll move on for you to get into get your screening. So for me to give that information, I'm always going to do that, whether I'm contracted or not. I'm going to always be here for anybody who wants to speak to me. I suppose you're ultimately helping to save people's lives. That's not a bad thing. We have had people who have never went for their screening, ever, like their cervical screening, who maybe are like in their 30s. I think one of the oldest ones was 33. And just through the whole process of supporting during before and after the you know the screening has been fantastic she went her results came back positive she's now more confident and going when she gets her next invitation along so it's potentially you know you could possibly be helping somebody highlight if there's any issues so it's a great feeling with so much work underway connecting with the communities the common denominator in Clyde Gateway's partnerships and while investment in bricks and mortar continues it's arguably the grassroots work that will leave a lasting legacy for Glasgow's East End. If you're interested in finding out more about public health reform in Scotland, check out our website, publichealthreform.scot, 
Or you can follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. 